Welcome to Jesus is the Voice of Truth. Cultivating a lifestyle of generosity will transform every aspect of your life, marriage, family, relationship, and your finances. Join Michael Montoya from Jesus for Life Ministries as he reveals the truth to experiencing God's abundance and grace every day. Welcome to Jesus is the Voice of Truth on this happy resurrection day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today we're going to be talking about the Son of Man's Triumph. So turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. So let's start with the women at the empty tomb. That's chapter 24 and it'll be verses 1 to 12. Then on Sunday at early dawn, they made their way to the tomb, carrying the spices which they had prepared for the body of Jesus. But how did they expect to get to this body? Did they not know that there was a huge stone that was rolled against the mouth of the tomb? We are not told the answer. All we know is that they loved him dearly and love is often forgetful of difficulties in order to reach its object. Their love was early astir. Verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb and was richly rewarded. Look at verse 6. He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you? While he was still with you in Galilee. There's still a risen Lord for the early riser. That's Proverbs 8.17. And it says this, I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. Let's look at chapter 24 verses 2 to 10. When they arrived, they found the stone had been rolled away from the mouth of the tomb. They found the stone had been rolled away from the tomb, but they entered and they did not find the body of Jesus Christ. While they were wandering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their face to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners to be crucified on the third day, be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all the things to the eleven, to all of the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. As soon as they went in, they saw the body of the Lord Jesus was missing. It was not difficult to imagine their perplexity. While they were still trying to reason it out, two angels, see John chapter 20, verse 12, and shining garments appeared and assured him that Jesus was living. It was futile to search for him in the tomb. Let's read John 20:12. And saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. He had risen as he had promised. He was still with them in Galilee. He had not foretold them that the Son of Man had to be turned over to sinful man and be crucified. And then on the third day, he would rise again. Let's look at Luke 9.22. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised again to life. Luke chapter 18.33. They will flog him and kill him. On the third day he will rise again. Then it all came back to them. They returned hurriedly to the city and told the news of the eleven disciples. Among those first heralded their resurrection were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James. Chapter 24, 
verse 11 and 12, the disciples did not believe them at all. It was just an old wives' tale, incredible and fantastic, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. This is what they thought. Until Peter made a personal visit to the tomb and saw the linen clothing lying there by themselves, these were the clothes that had been tightly wound around the body of Jesus. We were not told whether they were unwound or still in the shape of the body, but we are safe to assume the latter. It appeared that the Lord may have left the grave clothes as if they had been a cocoon. In fact, that grave clothes were left behind shows that the body was not stolen. Thieves had not taken time to remove the coverings. Peter returned to his house, still trying to solve the mystery. What did it all mean? Now let's look at the walk to Emos, chapters 24, verses 13 to 35. One of the two Emos disciples was a man named Cleopas. We do not know the identity of the other. Now that the same day the two men were going to the village called Emos, about seven miles from Jerusalem. It may have been his wife with him. One tradition is that it was Luke himself. One thing we can be sure of it that it was not one of the original 11 disciples. They got up and returned once to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them assembled together. At any rate, the two were sadly uh, rehearsing the death and the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ as they returned from Jerusalem to Emos, a journey about seven miles. So let's look at chapter 24, verses 14 to 18. As they proceeded, a stranger came alongside them. It was the risen Lord, but they did not recognize him. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened as they talked and discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked alongside them, but they did not recognize him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still and their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem? who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? He asked them what they had been talking about. At first they stopped short, a picture of abject misery. Then Cleopas expressed surprise that even a stranger in Jerusalem could not have been aware of what's been happening. Jesus drew them out further with the question, why? What did happen? What things he said? About Jesus of Jerusalem, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word, Indeed, before God and all people, the chief priests and all the other rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all that took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb earlier this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. They answered by first pray, paying tribute to Jesus. They reviewed the trial and the crucifixion. They told us of dash hopes, then of reports that his body was no longer in the tomb. Indeed, some angels had given assurance that he was alive. Let's look at chapter 24, verses 25 to 27. Jesus then lovingly 
chided them for not realizing that they were exactly in the path where the prophets of the Old Testament had foretold for the Messiah. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And begin with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all scriptures concerning himself. First, he must suffer, then he would be glorified. The beginning at Genesis and continuing through all the books of the prophets, the Lord reviewed all the scripture which referred to him, the Messiah. It was a wonderful Bible study and how we would love to have been with him at that particular time. But we have the same Old Testament and we have the Holy Spirit to teach us so we too can discover all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Let's look at chapter 24 verses 28 and 9. By now the disciples were nearing their home. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if they were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over, so we went to stay with them. They invited their fellow traveler to spend the night with them. At first he courteously acted as if he were going to continue his journey, he would not force an entry, but they prevailed on him to stay with them and how richly they were rewarded. Let's look at chapter 24, 30 and 31. When they sat down for the evening meal, the guest took the place of host. When he sat at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. The frugal meal became a sacrament and the home became a house of God. That's what Jesus did wherever he goes. They who entertain him will well be entertained. The two had opened up their home, and now he opens up their eyes. As he broke the bread and passed it to them, they knew him for the first time. Had they seen the print of nails on his hands? We only know that their eyes had been miraculously opened to recognize him. As soon as this happened, he vanished. Chapter 24, 32. Then they retraced the day's journey. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us? While he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us, no wonder their hearts had burned within them while he talked with them and opened the scriptures. Their teacher and companion had been the risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Chapter 24, verse 33. Instead of spending the night at Emos, they traced back to Jerusalem where they found the eleven and others assembled together. The eleven. Here is a general term to indicate the original band of disciples, excluding Judas. Actually, not all eleven were present, as we learn from John chapter 20, verse 24. But the term is used in a collective sense. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Let's look at chapter 24, 34. Before the Emos disciples could share their joyful news, the Jerusalem disciples jubilantly announced that the Lord had really risen and had appeared to Simon Peter, and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Verses 24, 35. Then it was the turn of the two from Emos to say, Yes, we know, because he walked with us, came into our home, and revealed himself to us, breaking bread. Then the two told what had happened on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. 
Let's talk about the appearance of Jesus to the eleven. Chapter 24, verses 36 to 43. Let's start. The resurrection of the body of the Lord Jesus was literal, tangible body of flesh and bones. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood amongst them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking that they had saw a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do you doubt the rise of your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked him, Do you have anything here to eat? It was the same body which had been buried, yet it was changed, that it was no longer subject to death. With this glorified body, Jesus could enter a room when the doors were closed. Look at John 20:19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. This is what he did on the first Sunday night. The disciples looked up and saw him, then heard him say, Peace to you. They were seized with panic, thinking it was a ghost. Only when he showed them the marks of his passion on his feet and his hands did they begin to understand. Even then, it was almost too good to be true. Let's look at chapter 24, verses 42 to 43. Then in order to show them it was really him, he ate some broiled fish and a piece of honeycomb. They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it in their presence. Now let's look at the open understanding, verses 44 to 49. These verses may be a summary of the Savior's teaching between his resurrection and his ascension. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scripture. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. He explained that his resurrection was the fulfillment of his words to them. Had he not told them that all the Old Testament prophecies concerning him had to be fulfilled? The law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms were the three main divisions of the Old Testament. Taken together, they signify the entire Old Testament. What was the burden of the Old Testament prophecies concerning Christ? Let's look at them. They were that he must suffer. You can read that in Psalms chapter 21 verses 1 to 21. That he must rise again from the dead on the third day. You can read that in Psalms chapter 16, 10. That repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Jesus opened their understanding to comprehend all these scriptures. In fact, this is a chapter full of open things. Open tomb on verse 12. It says, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Opened home, verse 29. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Open eyes, verse 31. 
Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Open scripture, verses 32. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Open lips, verse 35. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Open understanding, verse 45. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scripture. And open heavens, verse 51. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. Let's look at chapter 24, verses 48 and 49. The disciples were witnesses of the resurrection. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed and powered from on high. They must go forth as heralds of the glorious message. But first, they must wait for the promise of the Father, for the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Then they would be endued with divine power to bear witness to the risen Christ. The Holy Spirit was promised by the Father in such Old Testament passages as Isaiah 44.3. Let's read it. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Let's look at the Son of Man's Ascension. Chapter 24, verses 50 to 53. The ascension of Christ took place 40 days after his resurrection. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Let's look at chapter 24, verses 52 to 53. They worshipped him. They returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. For the next ten days, they spent much time in the temple praising and blessing God. Luke's gospel opens with devout believers at the temple, praying for the long-expected Messiah. It closes at the same place with devout believers praising and 70 blessing God for the answered prayer and for accomplished redemption. Amen. I'd like to finish by giving everyone a chance to know Jesus better. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. Prayer of salvation is our first real conversation with God. The prayer of salvation is the most important prayer you'll ever pray. When you're ready to become a Christian, you're ready to have our first real conversation with God. And these are the components. We acknowledge that Jesus Christ is God and that he came to the earth as a man in order to live the sinful life that we could not live. That he died in our place so that we would not have to pay the penalty we deserve. We confess our past life of sin, living for ourselves and not obeying God. We admit that we are ready to trust Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. We ask Jesus to come into our heart, take up residence there, and begin living through us. It begins with faith in God. When we pray the prayer of salvation, we're letting God know we believe that His Word is true. By the faith that He has given us, we choose to believe in Him. The Bible tells us that without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews 11.6 So when we pray, asking God for the gift of salvation, we're exercising our free will to acknowledge that we believe in Him. That demonstration of faith pleases God, because we have freely chosen to know Him. We are confessing our sin. When we pray the prayer of salvation, we're admitting that we've sinned. As the Bible says of everyone, saved through Christ alone, 
For all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. To sin is simply falling short of the mark, as an arrow that does not quite hit the bullseye. The glory of God that we fell short of is found only in Jesus Christ. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4.6 So the prayer of salvation then recognizes that Jesus Christ is the only human who ever lived without sin. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 What we are doing is we are professing faith in Christ as Savior and Lord. With Christ as our standard of perfection, we're now acknowledging him as God. Agreeing with the Apostle John that in the beginning was the Word, Jesus Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. John chapter 1 verses 1 to 3. Because God could only accept a sinless sacrifice because He knew that we could not possibly accomplish that. He sent His Son to die for us and pay the eternal price. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. Listen, if you want to say it today and mean it with your heart, don't wait a moment longer to start your new life with Jesus Christ. Remember, this prayer is not a magical formula. You are simply expressing your heart to God. And if you'd like to do that, Pray this prayer with me. Father, I know that I have broken your laws and my sins have separated me from you. I am truly sorry and I now want to turn away from my past sinful life towards you. Please forgive me and help me avoid sinning again. I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, died for my sins, was resurrected from the dead, is alive, and hears my prayers today. I invite Jesus to become the Lord of my life, to rule and reign in my heart from this day forward. Please send your Holy Spirit to help me obey you and to do your will for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So now you prayed this and you're probably thinking, I prayed it, now what happens? If you prayed this prayer of salvation with true conviction in your heart, you are now a follower of Jesus Christ. This is a fact. Whether or not you feel any different, you are. Some religious systems may lead you to believe that you might feel something like a warm glow, a tingling, or some mystical experience. In fact, you might and you might not. If you have prayed the prayer of salvation and you meant it, you are now a follower of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that your eternal salvation is secure. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's Romans 10.9. So welcome to the family of God. We encourage you to find a local Bible-based church where you can fellowship with other believers and grow in the knowledge of God through His Word, the Bible. This ministry is listener-supported. If you feel that you have benefited from this message from God, please consider helping to support this ministry and give a gift of any amount so we can continue to spread the Word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit on this platform. Go to JesusIsTheVoiceOfTruth.com and may the Lord richly bless you, your family, and friends. Until next time, God bless. And remember, Jesus is the voice of truth. I hope you enjoyed today's program. If you have any prayer requests or questions about Jesus is the voice of truth, we encourage you to email us at voiceoftruth411 at gmail.com or visit our website at jesusisthevoiceoftruth.com. 
Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to being with you next time. Have a blessed day.